Blog Talk Radio. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. such as AEW and where they stand, where wrestling stands as a whole. So, yes, folks, wrestling is still going even without a crowd because to some of us, wrestling is still considered a form of entertainment. And uh, as far as entertainment goes, holy shit, I'm very happy that AEW and WWE is trying their hand at entertaining the masses, especially with Sting coming back, especially with a lot of superstars returning to NXT. And, you know, it wasn't by choice that things had to shut down, but, you know, to continue a show with the cast and crew that WWE has, the cast and crew that AEW Dynamite has, I think they're both doing all the fans a favor and giving us something to watch, something to distract us. When I know PS5s and various other things distract people, you know, video game systems are very, very nice. But so is wrestling, so is uh, football, so is a lot of stuff. So this entire year 2020 started off with a bang, right? You had Royal Rumble that started off, you had AEW, and their pay-per-views and their big shocking names that showed up there like Jake the Snake Roberts. Arn Anderson was not a shock, but, you know, <clears throat> MJF trying to constantly tease joining the inner circle, and I'm pretty sure I'm well behind on the story. So tonight I'm going to start off with an AEW Dynamite review. Chris, I know that you may or may not be listening. But uh, shout out to my friend Chris who lives in Columbia, Missouri. How you doing? Uh, let's see here. AEW Dynamite results tonight. And then I'm going to do an NXT review. That's what's on tap for tonight. Tonight. Okay. This is three hours ago. Holy shit. By Ryan Rosowski. Two hours ago. Leave a comment. Uh, let's see here. Welcome to Ringside News. Oh, shit. AEW's tonight's episode is billed as a holiday bash and will air on TNT after the Bucks Celtics game. Well, you know the NBA. Oh yeah, the NBA is beginning. What do you fucking do? I honestly, folks, I do not care uh, for basketball and whatnot. I just 
I read the results, but I do not care to watch the games. That's just me personally speaking. Please feel free to refresh this page for constant updates while the shows are air. Okay, who cares? Tony Schiavone interviewed Sting. AEW World Tag Team titles are, uh, let's see, online with Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson versus the acclaimed Max Caster. Why does he say acclaimed? And Anthony Bones. Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt versus the Dark Order, Colt Cabana, and we hear from Kenny Omega. Hawk versus the Butcher, the Inner Circle. MJF versus Top Flight Darius and Dante Martin. Dustin Rhodes versus Evil Uno. Hikaru Shida will be in action. Kip and Penelope with Miro announce their wedding date. Okay, cool. And there's advertisement for Liv Morgan. That's kind of funny. The Inner Circle, Chris Jericho and MJF versus Top Flight Darius and Dante Martin. Jericho and Darius trade shots. So it was a back-and-forth match from what I'm reading. He fights off a superplex from Jericho, lands a high cross body. Then it says Jericho lands on the... Okay, I'm not going to read that. That This terminology pisses me off. So Jericho comes back, and then Jericho adds a lion salt for two count. Hager gets involved, so trips it. Okay, so Hager's obviously outside the ring. It's the inner circle. MJF hits the heat seeker for the win. Wow. Jericho and MJF, so MJF is a part of the inner circle. Where the fuck have I been? I watch some of it on DVR. I just tend to fall asleep sometimes when I'm watching TV, folks. After the match, Hager complains about Wardlow's absence, blah, 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 last two weeks. Tony Khan. Hager said he spoke to Tony Khan. You see why? Okay, I'll get to that tidbit later in critique. He'll be wrestling Wardlow next week. Their rap video of the acclaimed mocking the Young Bucks in anticipation of their match tonight. The acclaimed is their name, really? It's not. Okay, I'll get to the tidbit of criticisms later. Tony Schiavone is seen in the ring to interview Sting. Okay. Sting donned face paint for the first time when he saw Cody in AEW. He had to be part of the crowd chants. Welcome home, welcome home. Then Team Taz interrupts and accuses Sting of being completely selfish. Why is Sting not... Okay. Question to AEW. Why is Sting not getting involved with Jericho and the Inner Circle? Just thought... I mean, I'll continue. It says Brian Cage and Taz announces that Darby Allen will defend the TNT title against Brian Cage. So, wait, wait, wait. When did Taz become an authoritative figure? I love Taz, but this is kind of interesting to me. Uh, Then they show a video of MJF visiting Santana and Ortiz. MJF explains Santana that he has at his recent death, and Santana as well is here for him, and Santana seems to react warmly to that. So, okay. this The sequence of this show, I guess, makes sense. But I will continue on. The Dark Order, Colt Cabana versus Jurassic Park, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt. Stunt surprises Cabana with a Hurricane Rana and a dropkick. This little dude, I swear, I, I don't want to say little dude, but this guy, for his size, that like five, yeah, five or whatever, five one, five two, maybe I'm being less generous, five three. 
Uh, catches, okay, so Jungle Boy catches with a drop kick and hits a leg drop. So reading on, Dark Order used some double teaming to isolate Jungle Boy. We had the commercial. Go figure, they have that too, right? Please tell me that they have a different fucking article other than this. So you had the commercial. What do you do? Can we read the results on another page? Thank you, Vinny. Spoilers. I don't want to read the spoilers. Winners, grades, reaction, and bleacher reports. That's from June 3rd, dude. (laughs) That's the wrong... Cage side seats for December 16th. We're way past that. Um, well, I would, but if you have any questions, folks, you can message me on Russell underscore radio. Thank God I found Russell's own. Okay, so their results. <laughs> I like their format a lot better. Except for this is very amateur. I don't like reading too much. Okay, the inner circle, blah, blah. The acclaimed, like, i sorry, but fucking shit, really? Sting speaks with Shivani. Okay, got to that point. Dark Order, Colt Cabana, commercial break. So Jurassic Express wins, but how did he win? Double drop kick by JB. Lucha launches stunt on top of Ten and Colt. So, okay. This allowed Luchasaurus and JB to do an impressive flip. Okay. Tequila Sunrise. The Tequila Sunrise Bomb. Or the Sun Flip Bomb. Okay, please. When you are learning wrestling moves, folks, and you're describing them so that I, when I read results, I'm not trying to sound like a pompous ass, but can you please fucking describe the actual move name? This doesn't really tell me anything. An impressive flipping power bomb. Yes, that tells me a lot as a fan of impressive flipping power bomb. Mm-hmm. Okay, the winners are Jurassic Express. Fucking shit. Tony meets up with Jurassic in the ring. Marco starts talking and is interrupted by Tully Blanton. Jesus Christ. As I said, I will get to the criticisms later, but if you have any questions, it's Russell underscore radio underscore at Brian Rails. On Twitter, it says, Tully threatens Marco to have a flashback to the 80s. Okay. Alex Marvis is creeping on Don Callis and Kenny Omega in the hotel. Callis says, wrestlers running a mock in AEW has to stop. Okay. All right. Three significant times he shows what's going to happen when he faces someone who doesn't love him. He tells Phoenix he'll see him on January 6th. I have a hard time fucking following AEW for the time being. Do you know why? Their show goes from one moment to the the show. I get it. But at what point are we as fans supposed to follow this shit? Anyways, the Butcher with Blade and Bunny versus Pac with Penta El Zero. So there's a lot of big things. Eddie Kingston is on commentary. Pac and Butch goes forehead to forehead. So there's a headbutt to start the match. Hard drop kick to the side of the head. Just say drop kick, dude. I love you guys, but 
Kenny and Tony Schiavone go back and forth on commentary, so that takes away from the match. Butcher continues to impose his will on Pac. Who wins the match? Okay, Pac wins the match. Black Arrow, and we get the WK. Kip and Miro are standing by with Shivani, so they're talking about another wedding. Who gives a fuck? Evil Uno versus Dustin Rhodes with Lee Johnson. Uno, I love. <laughs> I like the description in Wrestle Zone. Gives Uno sucker slaps Dustin as he gets in the ring. Hard shots in the corner, but once the bell rings, Dustin fires away at Evil Uno. Kind of like a, a cheat sheet, if you will, folks, for wrestling. It really is. Um, holy shit. Uh, okay. He goes for his patented uppercut, but Uno steps in on his hand and it's okay. Who wins this match? Who wins the match? Diving Senton gets him a two count. Why the hell are your results so hard to find? I just want to find the full AEW results, dude. That's it. Fightful. Let's try them and see if I can get the full fucking results without it being cut off. Okay. I know the Jungle Express won that match. I just... This is horrible. Ringside News doesn't have the full results. SB Nation might. That's the 16th. So I'm assuming that Evil Uno may have won. I'm not sure, folks, but actually... Not looking for news. Cage side seats. No. Okay. I just want the end results where Dustin goes one on one with Evil Uno. That that's pretty much what I'm looking for. Yes. Oh, by the way, shout out to all the people around the world listening to this show. I don't want highlights because I know it's not going to give me the fucking results. Damn it! You guys are fucking terrible. Fightful doesn't have it either, so the 16th, WrestleView. Thank God. Please have the full results, you assholes. Commercial, commercial. I like that it covers everything, though. That's the main thing. With Stu Grayson. Stu Grayson? What? That doesn't... Wait a minute. He jumps Rhodes and Lee Johnson. Shivani interviews Spears backstage, so Lee Johnson hits a springboard missile drop kick on Grayson and Uno. Who won the match? Okay, so it ended in no contest. Uh, Tony Khan can tell Khan everyone else that he'll be back to AEW if he feels like it. Okay, what happened? Tony, Bajani, Tony Schiavone interviews Sean Spears backstage and says that he bet on himself when he left New York. He says that he changed three letters, but not the glass ceiling. He says that he is better than 90% of the entire roster and management. Keep pulling him into the same spot. He says that he sees himself going right back down the same path he was before. Giovanni cuts him off. If he ever wondered that his real problem is himself, Spears says that he hasn't thought about that for a goddamn second. Okay. So, Tony Khan, tell everyone that else he'll come back to AEW if he feels like it. So, Daisha interviews Hikiru Shida backstage, but uh, Abaddon immediately attacks Shida, resulting in security getting between them. See, sometimes wrestling, when companies watch each other, they say they don't. They do. 
sometimes the format copies and pastes themselves. That's just pro wrestling. Akira Yoshida versus Alex Garcia. Boy, I bet you Shida won. Yeah, Shida won. So AEW is getting extreme with their women's division. I do not have a problem with women blading. I th- let me see here. Sheeta grabs her kendo stick and starts poking Evan in with it, but Evan grabs it and throws her into the barricade. Evan bites Sheeta's neck, causing her to she bit her neck. Fuck, dude. Okay. AEW's got all kinds of wild elements, and we'll get to that later. Right after, right after, we pause 10 seconds for station identification. And trust me, folks, I've got a lot to say about tonight's results as far as AEW goes. It wasn't a bad show. Uh, It's just, holy shit, someone getting bit on the neck. Yeah, that's stealing from WWE, even though they say we don't watch your shit. Yes, you do. We're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification right here on Off the Rails Uncensored 2020's Year in Review. Hit the craziness. I mean, hit the music. Dig it. Turns on NXT with the Gargano family celebrated Christmas. That was it in a nutshell, but I would like to read the full on results. So, Adam Cole headline street fight, title match, a very Gargano Christmas, and more. So, hmm, Butch and Lorkin versus Dane and Jeez. Street fight for the NXT tag team titles. Killian Dane and Drake Maverick versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. I'm guessing that that's that this kicked off the night. So Dane takes Lorcan into the ringside barrier. Okay, please tell me it was an actual fucking street fight. Dane with a peg powerbomb to Burch. But I'm still thinking Lorcan and Danny Burch retained. Yep. And I, you know, completely fine with that. Burge comes in with a cricket bat and hits Drake in the ribs while Lorkin holds him. They hit the double team, assist DDT. So who interferes? There's got to be interference in this match. 
Well, not so much, but it looks like there's a lot of suplexes, a lot of taunting, and a cricket. That fucking shit. That okay? So chance talking trash in the camera. Okay, let's see here. We go for a very Gargano Christmas. It's kind of funny to see. John's all in his. Uh, he's got a uh, suit that's customized to look like. It's all Santa claus out. Okay, cool, whatever. Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly revisit their TakeOver 31 main event. I don't, okay, I don't mind that. Uh, Mackenzie Mitchell is backstage with Tyler Rust and Malcolm Bivens. She congratulates him on last week's debut loss against Tomasa Ciampa. Bivens interrupts and says Rust had one of the best NXT debuts in history. They fist bump and walk off into the sunset. Okay, well. Aren't we interesting? Okay, this is the match. Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Jake Atlas. Um, to say the least, if I'm not going to describe this match, it's because I don't really care. Because it's just... If, Jesus Christ, there's three paragraphs worth. Isaiah Swerve Scott, it's a confidence boost to win the match. And it's no disrespect against those awesome competitors that just don't have an interest in the cruiserweight division currently. So, Velveteen Dream returns. Oh, goodness. Poor Dream. Whatever. He says the mighty have fallen. I don't think uh, Undisputed's fallen since they've been basically essentially the faces of NXT for a very long time. Okay, Rhea Ripley and Dakota Kai walking backstage back to commercial, and then you have Timothy Thatcher, who's somewhere in the back says Tommaso Ciampa wanted to fight him. It's good he came to face him because that doesn't happen that often around here. And to answer your question... I think that both did a good job, NXT and AEW. I just think that there needs to be some improvement on certain things, and when both companies fix said things, it's going to be awesome. I'm just happy we have a show period from both to answer that question. Okay, and then let's see what else Thatcher says. So Leon Ruff, who I don't really, I'm not a fan of, because uh, he's the underdog. It's like, we already have Drake Maverick, and now you have this guy running around. It's like, mm. maybe he does something to light up the room. Maybe he's positive. I, honestly, this dude, like, well, he's, made, he's a new face. Not a fan. Because if you have, who's Leon Ruff? Well, he's the guy that goes in the, in, has the gimmick where he gets lucky and beats people that should beat his ass. Um, it's nice to have a turn of events so that it gives it flavor. But at the same time, that's a turn off because it's not organic. And it's not like, okay, we want him to win. It's like, okay, whatever. Now we expect the unexpected, which is not, no, no. Now it's like we're expecting him to knock off people because he's beat Damian Priest. He's beat Johnny Gargano. And now he's beat Timothy Thatcher. So is it a bad thing? No, it's just not going to turn the fans 
all that in, you know, the interest is just going to go fucking south because the dude's not organic. And it's not that we dislike him as fans, some of us. It's just, okay, it's it's gotten to that point where Leon Ruff's going to knock off somebody else big, and it's, it's not going to fold over well for the black and gold brand. Rhea Ripley versus Dakota Kai. Rhea Ripley ends up winning with Riptide, and then afterwards, folks, this is the match that I ended up watching and seeing. So uh, Ripley and Kai was a very good match. It was very back and forth, and I liked the story that told. But before that, let's see, Io Shirai came out, and then uh, she got beat up by Mercedes Martinez. So I don't know why they're doing so many big valets for small women, I guess. Tony Storm, she's probably going to say, I had nothing to do with this, blah, blah, blah. You know how this works, folks. When you always act surprised the next week that I had nothing to do with it, then they align themselves with the, you know, the other fucking heel. So it'd be Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm, or they could go a complete opposite route on this. I don't know. Bronson Reed versus Ashanti the Adonis. Uh, Bronson Reed has a really badass entrance, and then okay. Mackenzie Mitchell was backstage with uh, Io Shirai. Shirai said she didn't hear what Storm had to say. So she grabbed a steel chair. She waited, and then Martinez... Yeah, she beat the fuck over. And then Gargano's blah, 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 gives a present to Candice LeRae. Again, I'm not really a big fan of Leon Ruff's gimmick. That's just one person maybe out of several wrestling fans that don't like the way that's being gimmicked. And I'll explain that uh, on the very last edition of Off the Rails Uncensored for 2020. Thatcher goes to ringside and grabs a chair. Okay, Leon Ruff ends up winning this match. And then... Choppa comes down in the ring to aid Leon Ruff. Says, I'll see you in the pit. Whatever that means. Pre-recorded video with Damien Priest. Oh, sending a warning to Karrion Cross for New Year's Evil. Arya Davari versus Tyler Rust. Um, so Tyler Rust wins this match. Again, guys that are not really standing out. His ability, yeah, cool. He got ability. Okay, whatever. And then Adam Cole versus the Velveteen Dream. So, let me see this. So, he hits the last shot. And so, he's representing Undisputed Era. Are we... I don't know, folks. This is kind of odd. You cannot break up Undisputed Era. You just can't. Oh, we got a listener. Cool. Cool. Uh, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? How's it going? It's going oh, nothing much. Shit, what's up? And I'm just listening to the story. You know, you know what's funny? I don't know anybody you're naming. It's probably like two or three people. And I'm I'm a huge wrestling buff. I know. I, I'm being sarcastic. I know who you're naming. But they just don't stand out. Um, the way that they marketed um, Gargano, 
I think they should follow back with the rest of the team, if that makes any sense. Because people... But see, the thing is, well, here's my thing with NXT and AEW, for those of the fans that are watching both, and it's funny because my friend and I discussed this over the phone. They're not going to work, Sting. He's 61 years old. And if people want to if people want to understand something, why I am so heavily against AEW and why I do bitch out WWE, it's because here's the thing. As a former worker myself, I do not know all the tricks and trades of wrestling because wrestling is a constantly evolving business. But uh, right. when you have when you have a show that is centered around a guy that can literally carry it on his back with Finn Balor and Adam Cole – It'd be nice if WWE could just fucking let loose. It'd be nice if AEW would quit bullshitting and center their focus on instead of like, let's have one segment here and focus a segment on this. It's like, I wonder, and I'm going to mention and point this out. I love Taz, but when the fuck did he become an authoritative figure and started making matches? Like, okay, so now you have inmates running the asylum in AEW essentially, and the fans haven't caught on to that yet. And, two, right. and I'm not a Brian Cage. He's just too fucking roided up. I, I'm just not. I, I'm just not feeling him. Because Brian Cage, I've met him at WrestleCon, or not WrestleCon, but at uh, Sammy's show, Wrestling Revolver. Um, it doesn't mean I necessarily know all the talent because I've met Darby Allen's crazy ass. He's a nice, weird little dude. Um, I've met. I've met at WrestleCon. It doesn't necessarily mean I know the individuals, but from what I'm seeing from AEW, it's like, can you guys book for anybody else but yourselves? And if they were smart, I'm calling them out on their shit. If they were smart, they would book Sting versus Jericho, not Sting versus Rhodes. Are you fu- it's a fight because he's like, well, I w- uh, you know, you can't right. not give AEW credit, but fucking shit. It's like you have a modern day Hogan. Versus staying in Jericho in the inner circle below. Like, oh, we want to go with the stereotype and predictability. You guys need to quit fucking working Marco stunt. My God, the dude is five nothing, and it's like, well, you can't discount talent. I'm not saying he's not talented, but a guy his size, power bombing or drop kicking anything that has two legs is not believable. I'm sorry, and Orange Cassidy. Oh if Lord, I if I work that fuck, I'm. Swear to God, I will drop kick his fucking lips off. It's like you don't want to work with hands because you want to put your hands in your pocket, you little shit. Okay, yeah, here's yeah. the story behind Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy is a. They most of these guys are rejects from NXT who bitched and moaned about why WWE wouldn't want him. Take a look at Sammy Guevara. Does he look like a worker to you? Does he look like a worker to you? No. Hager, no, Jericho. Huh? No, I, I agree. I agree. Hager, Jericho, and a few other guys from an AEW look like actual fucking workers. I'm not. Well, you have to look like, dude. Seriously, some people have a skewed perception of what AEW truly is. It's WCW 2.0 minus Bischoff with a re, with a with a promoter that has money for backings or bookings. And stupidly enough, Tony Khan is one of those people, along with Dustin Rhodes and Cody Rhodes, I I respect them both, but uh, you have shows with fans, 
that I'm like, okay, I'm not against having fans of the show because it makes it easier for us workers, but fuck's sakes, man. Do you know what's going on right now in this country? Aside from the fact that WWE is having, you know, to light somebody on fire quite literally to get attention, like, Bray Wyatt is one of the biggest fucking names right now in wrestling because why? Uh, let's see. It took till TLC 2020 for him to get attention. It took Hell in a Cell earlier last year or two years ago. And the match ended in disqualification, which is complete bullshit. And we have promoters that are laughing their way to the bank because so many fucking marks, like myself, we keep seeing uh, guys like Goldberg, Sting, getting involved. I don't have any issue with them getting involved. What I do have an issue with is slow. You know, Sting could wrestle any time. I know what we're doing here. We're just seeing if he's going to get injured. So that's why you're pussyfooting around, Cody, Chris, Tony. Oh, yeah. I know that most of those guys own the company. I'm not a know-it-all here, but it's smart. It's smart to keep Sting on the sideline because he's injury-prone. He shouldn't talk. Like I don't know why they have seen they had seen talk. I don't know why they they killed them. Their their idea to modernize the whole thing when he it was so it's not disingenuous. I get what they're doing as a marketing strategy because they don't want their crown jewel to get injured. Uh, and some people are like, well, how do you know they're just doing? It? I'm like, dude, fucking Christ! If people cannot see. What AEW is doing all oh, is not bad. It's called We Don't Want a 61-Year-Old Man Who is a Legend Across the Board, Hands Down, um, thing who over a four-decade span has already given the fans his all and doesn't really need to prove anything, but yet... Because the WWE made him mad and didn't want to get him involved creatively speaking. Well, when you have Vince and Hunter and Shane and Stephanie and, and Dana Warrior and Michael Hayes running the ship, uh, there's bound to be some shipmates that are not going to be happy, and Sting was one of them. Well, they already had Taker lined up for NXT. They already have Trish Stratus going to NXT, which is going to help the women's division immensely in the black and gold brand. Speaking of uh, copying and pasting, did we not see Ronda Rousey or somebody bite Becky on the neck? It was mm-hmm. Shayna Baszler, was it not? Yeah. So yep. Hiroshita gets bitten on the neck by Abaddon, and I'm like, okay, so you guys claim you don't watch each other. I call bullshit. And some throw, people I'm, think I'm nuts. Well, I'm gonna throw two. Go ahead. I'm gonna throw two. Do you think it'd be a great idea if the Miz went to the NXT for a couple of months? Um, that depends because I would take Morrison and him to feud. Or you okay. can't. I mean, because if you if you think about it, if you break up the Miz and Morrison. The Miz has already proven himself as a solo, right? 
so why not boost NXT's tag team division? Not to take away from the lack thereof of the tag team division in NXT, because now you have the Street Profits, who obviously caught the eye of main roster, um, more or less as a marketing eye candy to Vince McMahon and nothing else, just like the New Day. And just like, uh, unfortunately, the Viking Raiders, you know, the dude took time off because wifey's having a child, and congratulations. But the Viking Raiders were literally unstoppable in NXT, but when they got to main roster, it was the curse of the Ascension, where they didn't know quite what to fucking do with them, because, well, when you outshine Vince's boys, and they go to Vince, or they go to talent relations, and like, hey... We, you know, we didn't get uh, our shine. Right, right. Miz and Morrison, good idea for NXT. For a couple of Morrison months. would be a great But I think if you really want to boost NXT's tag team division, uh, man, you're cutting in and out. It's kind of like it's the joys of having an iPhone and running a podcast. I, I need really, I really need to invest in getting me a mic. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm here. I'm all here, man. Um, my thing is, if you want to bolster up tag team divisions, and this is what pissed me off when JR said it on AEW's broadcast. I love you, Jim. I've met him twice now, and he's a really nice dude, and I know where he, he compliments both companies. But uh, my thing is when he said, oh, you know, where tag team division matters, I'm like, so shitty wrestling, spot fest, spot fest, spot fest? Mm, right. Because I can call – I'm going to call him out right now. It's like, Jim, you have the Young Bucks, who is a very talented tag team. You have Jurassic Express, also very talented. But the problem with AEW is why – does every old timer and their brother's mother get involved when they have no business getting involved? Tully Blanchard, anyone? Jake the Snake Roberts, anyone? I love those guys to death and respect them as legends. Uh, Arn Anderson giving a spine buster. I fucking knew that was going to happen the minute you tell old timers, oh, by the way, you guys, you guys have free reign to do whatever the fuck you want. Disaster. That's that's the the problem for me mainly with AEW is you got guys that should, should that should not be getting involved including Tully Blanchard including Arn Anderson yes you two heard me and three tag teams that aren't bad but it's the same old shit and you guys claim that you're original how <laughs> When your main focus is bitching out the other company and you guys are supposed to be, like, highly rated, how? You only beat them by 172,000 viewerships. And that's because WWE is so stubborn about improvising and going on the fly and doing certain things to make their company, you know, the way that it is. I don't really give a fuck. I want a show. That's my main thing as a fan. If you give me a show, great. But if you start doing the stupid segment shit that AEW has been doing, it's like, you guys are missing the point. Like, yeah, you guys say we're not entertainment, we're actually wrestling. I'm like, okay. So, 
can they explain to me why their segments are so fucking confusing? Like tonight with MJF, he's like, "Oh, I lost a family member too." It's like, are we, you know, not to be mean here, but like when you start going into like familial stuff and real life stuff, it's like, wow, um, I don't know if this is a wrestling show or a soap opera. Not trying to be mean, but uh, you literally. They teased MJF being a part of the inner circle, and when there's too many cooks in the fucking kitchen, you saw what happened. We all saw what happened to the NWO when Jeff Jarrett took over, and then the other finger poke of doom with uh, Hogan and Nash or whatever. And when Hogan got out of the ring and said, this is the shit that gets our company in trouble, I, I for the life of me, dude... I love what you know both AEW and NXT and WWE's trying to do, but there's part of me of 2020 that wants to tell them, can you guys like keep it simple, stupid, so that we as the fans can understand where what the fuck you're trying to convey to us? Instead, we get a lot of returns in NXT. I'm okay with cool. AEW, on the other hand, you have all the tools, but why aren't you utilizing stories that'll make fans go, hey, we, you know, we get it, we understand, and Cody, Cody Rhodes is one of the biggest names in wrestling right now. Sting is still a big name in wrestling, so why, why is Sting teasing who he's going to face? It's like, well, I'm going to gradually, I want to work anyone. I'm like, the guy can still go. I saw him wrestle at WrestleMania 31. I saw him wrestle live on Nitro. I was fortunate enough to see Dusty Rose when he was still alive and meet the man. So my thing is, it's like I appreciate what the Rhodes brothers are trying to do with AEW, but my biggest beef with them is when you have Captain Obvious pointing himself out, metaphorically speaking, don't try to bash WWE subtly every fucking time. I left New York, and I'll come back to AEW when I see fit. So we're taking a page out of McIntyre's book? Because, <laughs> like, honestly, guys, wrestling is copy and paste, as I call it. Because whenever you sh- watch a show... It's like, we saw this before, we're not stupid, because I know a lot of former WWE fans are saying, it's just not the same. AEW's pure wrestling. I'm a former worker myself, and I can fucking tell you right now, uh, as a a compliment to each other, when tonight, when Hikirishita got bit on the neck, uh, okay, so what do you call Becky Lynch getting bit by Shayna Baszler? I said it earlier. You you want to pull material that fans are going to be like, oh, my God, we've never seen this before. I call bullshit. That's facts. And another and thing, like, people always say Tony is a, is a owner of the – you know, he, he's dealing with the NFL and stuff like that. You know, I hear that a lot. And to be quite honest, as an NFL guru, Tony Khan is part of the worst franchise in the NFL. 
So it's nothing really to brag about. I mean, you can brag about his billions or whatever, but it's nothing to brag about because he's under the management team of the worst team in the NFL, and they've been like that for years. The Jaguars, dude, are they even – like, does anybody even – care? Did anyone care in their fan base? Because I know I get a lot of flack for being a Raider fan, but let me explain something to them. They got rid of all their good players. All their good players on the team that were selling merch and that was doing great on the team, they got rid of all of them within the past three to four years. Uh, Yeah, the Jaguars kind of remind me of the southern version of the Jets and they're like why don't you cheer for the Jets man I was like bro if I wanted to go to even if I prayed for the Jets they could not come out with a victory to save their life yes they beat they beat the Rams but you know it's just like you, you do realize they fucked themselves out of the number one draft pick and so my big thing with them is, like, well, why, who do you cheer for? It's like, I cheer for the league Rebels, man, because I know the league likes to fuck with the Raiders, and I know, like, they like to fuck them out of beating Patrick Mahomes this year. Because think about it, if we sit and think about it, honestly, folks, the Raiders will come for the Chiefs, and they will beat them, and I will be bold enough to say this like an in-ring promo. Yes, I give the Chiefs credit. They won a Super Bowl. But with that defense – Come the fuck on. Like, honestly, the Chiefs are not a scary team, folks. They're not a scary team. If you contain Patrick Mahomes in the pocket, yes, he can throw, but who's his targets? Kelsey on third down. Uh, Tyreek Hill on a slant when it's Helen Keller, Helen Keller. If a running back's in motion and he gives that audible, I'm going to say what John Gruden says. If you contain Mahomes and you stay home, even if you if they march right down the fucking field and you hold them to three points, you will win the football game. Right. Raiders already proved it this year. I, I love saying it. We may be seven seven, we may be a flailing team right now, and this is way off topic from pro wrestling, but let me just point this out, folks. You give teams credit where credit's due. Yes, the Chiefs are division fucking champions. Boring, boring, boring. You know why? Because it's the same five fucking teams every year in the AFC. Every year. Baltimore. Houston's not there anymore, but Baltimore, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. Come the fuck on. It's just like watching John Cena. You know? And they're saying, oh. what does that have anything to do with pro wrestling? It's like, dude. If you watch John Cena, he's not a bad competitor. But just like the fucking Queefs, let's be honest. Do you want to watch, unless you're a Chiefs fan, my apologies. I, I know Granny Holkster, my former co-host, is a major Chiefs fan. I love you, Granny. But my, my thing with having something different or stirring the pot or being different in pro wrestling with the same in football, if the league is smart, they would allow different teams, you know, to have better draft picks. But you know how the NFL is. It's just like wrestling. It's one big work. And how does John Cena uh, compare? Well, yeah, because, look, dude, if, if New England made the playoffs 11 out of 12 years 
of being in there, and they didn't make it this year because their precious savior is no longer with the team, Tom Brady, nor is Gronkowski. Uh, outside of the realm of spectrum, we look at reality. Cam Newton was a bust, and they knew that. And so my thing is, back to pro wrestling, in 2020, we saw a Royal Rumble, thank God, that it was a last-minute change because I did not want to see Brock Lesnar win because that would have honestly killed my interest in WWE. And they said, why? I said, because Lesnar doesn't care. He's there for the $12 million paycheck that he gets on appearance, and he only showed up, what, 23 times in 2019? They're like, 23 times is a lot. I was like, he has anxiety. Um, Okay. I have anxiety, and I had to audition in front of an entire fucking group of strangers in NXT back in 2013 and 2014, and you're telling me that Lesnar can't show up to fucking shows? Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah, sure. Who was in your class? Who was in my class? Okay, so I remember them by name and gimmick name. Eric Art, Tonai, Ashley Flair, Simon Gotch, Aiden English, um, Sami Zayn. Seriously, dude, yes. That's why, okay. Let me give you a scenario. No, no, I'm, 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 just, I'm just interested. Like I'm like, you know, I'm just real interested. I believe. But here, here's the thing about how NXT works. A lot of people want to say that Hunter is better than Vince, and it's like, no. If you think about this, think about a younger Vince, but one who, well, they say they care about the talent. Well, I just watched something that pissed me the fuck off. Um, especially when Keith Lee and Vince were standing outside and people were like, well, he's just, you know, he's being a good uh, worker. I'm like, do you have any idea what it's like to be told that I have a global audience and we need to improve upon stuff? And it's like, I just, it irritated me to hear Vince say that because it's like, I know what the standard that WWE is looking for. Unfortunately, they're like, can you tell us the ins and outs? I'm like, no, because like my uncle says, wrestling is always constantly evolving. So what is it that the other person is doing that you're not doing? What model of success are you looking at that the other person's succeeding where you're not succeeding? So NXT, dude, you have so many names that came have come through there. Like um, the story with, Enzo, Colin, and fucking Mella. Mella wasn't really a bad worker. It's just she was just meant to be a valet and not a worker. Well, then when she wanted to prove everybody, like, hey, I can actually fucking work, like, it was kind of a shock to some of us. But when I'm going to – okay, so Enzo, hooey. Um, I – I want to point this out for you so you know this. Eric's good with kids. He just has a bad rap with adults for a reason. Okay. He runs his mouth to the point where you want to take something that's not nailed to the floor and beat his ass. I can see that. I can fucking see that. I've seen his interviews and his shoot interviews. Uh, I can see that. Like um, when I talked to Rich Swan about 
who stole my fucking gimmick. He's like, oh, that was you? I said, yeah, there's there's a story that goes that I was supposed to fill in, you know, and be like the manager for Colin Cassidy. And it wasn't really supposed to be, I give you a hint. My name was Brian Rails. Okay. My gimmick name. Enzo comes in, has no formal training whatsoever. Okay. Simon Gotch and I, and, but, huh? No, I've heard him do an interview, and he said that. Like, what you just said, he just said that. He said, I didn't have no experience at all. But you're actually. Uh, he claims to be an amateur boxer slash, like, underground fighter. And, yes, he can throw punches. It's just my irritation level is, like, okay, you can take my gimmick, fine, and run with it for two years. Like, take your gimmick. And most people are like, well, nobody remembers who you were. And I said, dude. You're a part of the internal roster. Let me show you how it works. Folks think that you automatically get to the main roster and TV. Like, no, there's two rosters. There's internal, and then there's TV. If you get through Evolve, some of us have to go through the fucking rungs of every ladder to get where you're supposed to be. It's not that I was disliked. It's just I didn't fit the mold of what they were looking for. That's fine. I got injured, okay? And it's because you know, when you tell people stuff and they go against the grain, they don't want to call a match how it's supposed to go. And I'm not going to name names to remain professional, but this individual knows who he is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the following. And Enzo got my gimmick and basically tried to fucking run with it. He didn't run far. He took the ball. He didn't run far. He dropped it. And here's why. When you watch his work in NXT, it is all over the place. Mm. When you watch his shit on main roster, it is all over the place. It's not that he can't talk. It's just you can tell the chemistry between he and the other workers. They're like, I didn't. Some workers will say I didn't have an issue with him. Like I talked to Rich Swan at a. Uh, at Wrestling Revolver, and he goes, yeah, Corey and him didn't get along. I said, yeah, I can see why Corey and him or Matt and him would not get along. It's because the simple fact that he not – it's not just running the mouth, dude. It's when you tell him to do shit in rehearsals, he will do it, and he will do whatever the boss tells him to do. It's behind closed doors where he's got a big head. And thought, oh, well, now I'm on the big time. I can, you know, run my mouth and still be part, you know, one of the boys. Well, that's a problem because he never, like I said earlier, he never had any form of wrestling training. Um, I I remember training in Kentucky, in, you know, Kenny Bowen school. And it's it costs money, and you you learn how to not only take bumps or what you guys have seen and tough enough. It's it's more or less it becomes a brotherhood, and it's what Jim Cornette says. It's it's more you know you took a vow to uphold a brotherhood, and what he did was he could run his mouth, but it's funny. Oh, bro, I got—I wrote a million promos. So Simon Gotch turns his head, and we're in fucking catering. He turns his head and goes, 
you can't talk. <laughs> like, honestly, I popped my head around and said, dude, like, honestly, the whole NXT locker room around Enzo was not a healthy locker room. Like, some people are like, well, I don't have an issue with him now, but if he goes in the back, if he was to go in the back and tell you the reaction that some of the people that worked with him, they'd be like, hey, what's up? Or it'd be like, okay, cool, you're here again. But the dude had to have a fucking separate locker room for him uh, because there's so much internal conflicts um, between him and Colin. And such a he was such a bad influence. And they're like, well, why do you speak negative of somebody that's not even there? I'm like, bro, let me explain something to you all. Uh, the way that he carried himself was a big factor in as to why people didn't give a fuck if he was there or not. If he was sick, we'd all be like, phew, we can breathe. He was annoying. He, it was, oh man, if you <laughs> charging $95 at WrestleCard to take a picture with him, I was like, this is a complete crock of shit. Why would I pay $95 for someone that stole what I was supposed to be doing in the ring? He goes, oh, someone's fucking bitter. I said, someone's fucking stupid. They call me. If you look at my appearance, dude, if I was to mohawk up my hair and dress like fucking Enzo's supposed to look, I give me my overalls, you know, give me my fucking gimmick, and I'll be like, hey, I'll show Enzo how to fucking work. And like, bro, talk is cheap. And I was kind of cringing when Pillman was going to work him at a show, and then another person was like, I'm wrestling Enzo. I'm like, that's not going to do nothing for your career. You're wrestling a guy who literally ran, who ran his mouth on a tour bus, multiple tour buses, got kicked off of multiple tour buses, bragged about it to the boss himself. And said, hey, man, big boss, man, yo, I got kicked off the bus because supposedly I was running my mouth a little too much. Like you, honestly, I'm I'm glad that this conversation that we're intrigued about my days and my brief days there. But to be honest with you, it was a fun experience. I met a lot of cool people. Like Norman Smiley is pretty pretty laid back. Um, Matt Bloom, very good, very good coach. Um, Sarah Amato, I don't know if she's still there. Um, Byron Saxon surprised me as a coach. Um, He's like, say, what would you say if you were in this instance? Like, how would you react? He goes, the crowd's going to react this way, but, you know, this is going to happen this way. It's very weird because, you know, dude still lives with his parents, but that's besides the point. Um, Was Bill DeMonte? Bill? No. He was fired already? Last I heard from when the last I heard from someone that actually recently went up to the performance center, he is no longer there. Yeah, he's not there because of the um, allegations and stuff like that. Well, dude, what was funny was Sammy and I was okay. We were kind of in the same class. I really, Sammy was on his way out. But uh, anyways, so there's a story. About Sammy Callahan and Bill DeMott. Bill DeMott was like, Well, you can, you know, be in shape and have a good look to you, or you can be like Bill and you can be out of shape and, you know, and be really fucking fat. And uh, 
Sammy turned right around Bill the and goes, you know what, Bill? You're fucking fat. <laughs> and so he, Bill acted like he was going to do something and pull, like, pulled out his fucking fake tooth. And I'm like, I'm watching this going, okay. And I'm like, uh, am I going to see a fight between trainer and trainee? Because Sammy doesn't, he doesn't have any fear in him. Sammy's one of those that he may be five foot eight. But he don't give but, a fuck. Uh, but he don't give a fuck. Like, he will beat your ass. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. I've also, okay, I want to point this out. This is like 2020's review. Um, we saw a lot of bullshit on both ends. So, I mean, do they have a lot to prove to the fans? No. I mean, like Lance Storm says on his show, uh, all we owe the fans is a good show. Because I hate it when certain fans are like, we pay your salary. Let me, let me fucking just point this out. No, no, no. Fans do not pay the salary. The salary gets paid through the tickets. The ticket place is paid a certain, a certain fee at the gate if they had something going on. And by the way, the merchandise is not their sales either. It's the appearances and uh, just a little insider. It's salary paid in WWE. I don't know if it's the same for AEW, if they have a set salary or whatever they do to pay their fucking boys. But uh, that also is a question of mine for AEW. I know that Tony Khan has to be the major financial backer for them, but I know that referees in WWE make three grand per match. And I don't know what the senior officials make in NXT or what John Cone makes, but uh, I'm pretty sure the average salary for the lowest you make in NXT is 130k. Uh, if you're a big name like Adam Cole or Finn Balor, it's one million to five million, depending on what they pay you. If you're a main damn, roster name, it, do what? I said I didn't know that shit. Like damn. Like honestly, like, dude, like this is how you're going for real. I got told that if you don't work, then you don't. You know, you still get your salary pay, and it's not like. They're like, oh, they get paid appearances and they get paid five minutes. No, dude. Like, the lowest fucking range you'll get on main roster, because Matt Riddle's getting like two and a half million dollars or whatever the fuck he's made. I don't know the numbers. But I know that it's in the range for him and Keith Lee and all the NXT call ups, one million to five million, because here's how this works, and I know they're probably going to try and cut me off like normal on Blog Talk, because Blog Talk's connected to WWE, and I, I forget who the Carrot Top is and that does the pre-show for anything. Sam whatever. Um, Sam. By the way, yeah, uh, I, I called him out on his shit. I was like, so you just copied and pasted what I said about Rhea Ripley and the women's team and how the women's division is holding it together for NXT. And I laugh because I'm like, Sam Elliott or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, he's like, my show, I said it on my show. It's like, no one gives a fuck about your show because you turned from numero uno enemy because like, he's never wrestled a day in his life. And he got a whole bunch of attention in order for his show to get to WWE. And I said, dude, you know, I, I applaud what you're doing and you're, you're a good analyst. In some regards, but in some regards, it's like nails on a chalkboard with him, Wade Barrett, and Vic Joseph, and Beth Phoenix, for that matter. So in your review, let me just point this out. 
The commentary for WWE and AEW, um, I like the fact that AEW has Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. I do not care for Excalibur, and I do not care for, well, Eddie Kingston's okay. Beth Phoenix, I have mad respect for. She's kind of anchoring the announcing for NXT right now. But it seems like when Wade Barrett and Vic Joseph, and Vic Joseph annoys the fuck out of me when he does this, whenever there's an emphasis point on a move, it's, oh, it's like, did you stub your toe or did you have an orgasm? Yeah. Like, can we please? Yeah, like, Mauro Ranello kind of spoiled us because it can make a boring night into a better night. And I think part of the reason why he left WWE, people are, like, assuming and, and judging. And, like, did you meet Mauro Ranello? I was like, at the time, dude, WWE was shuffling to get announcers to stay full time. So I was there when Graves got his concussion. I was there when it was Byron Saxton, Corey Graves, and uh, Percy Percy Jackson. Not Percy Jackson, but Percy, whatever his name is. Uh, but I was there because Percy used to wrestle, and then he got hurt too. Uh, part of the reason Percy left was because he knew what direction NXT was going, and he's like, I'm not saying that I won't come back, but he says I'm just going to try and venture out on my own and do independent films. And so far, Percy's doing really good. I mean, he's got a few accolades now under his acting belt. So some people just leave the wrestling business because they either – are burned out by what's going on, and right now NXT's trying, AEW's trying, but like I said, the rear review is something like this. Royal Rumble, good job. The rest of the pay-per-views up until TLC 2020, they're like, what about Backlash? What do you think Roman Reigns returning? I'm like, I like, and I'm going to sound like public enemy number one, I like what they're doing with Kevin and Roman. I think it's a good story. I, however, am on the fence about Bray and Randy because I hope to fucking Lord that uh, they do not repackage Bray because that will piss me the fuck off if they do that again because it's like, well, here's another thing about – because they're like, are you in the same class as Bray Wyatt? I said, no, Bray Bray and them was 2012. Like, they were on their way up to main roster, like the Shield, Bray, and all them. Did you get to beat CM Punk? Yes. Um, I can tell you from experience, he's a really nice dude. I do not ever call him uh, Phil uh, because I don't know him personally. I just shook his hand once, and he doesn't remember everyone who he shook hands with. Uh, the myth behind wrestlers remembering fans, they don't, unless you did something stupid or you were really cool. So just just to bust, you know, bust the myth that workers are assholes for a reason, no, it's because I love how on certain other podcasts they're like, we remember asking him this question, and uh, I know he or she may listen to our show. The truth is, folks, we don't. We don't. To be honest with you, I guarantee you, my show gets listened to here and there when I share it, but it doesn't get listened to by the wrestlers themselves. Let's just be real. Right. And so, to shed some light again, like on a review on 2020, Royal Rumble, great. AEW getting Sting, awesome. Uh, 
Sasha being on Mandalorian. Congratulations. You did a good job. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, T reinventing itself constantly. Good job, guys. Uh, at least you're trying, even though the ratings are fucking flailing, because there are certain people that don't want to take risk anymore, which is kind of funny. Now everybody's starting to gig and, and use uh, different methods to get uh, ratings. But overall, I think my 2020 synopsis on the whole thing, please quit trying too hard and let's just keep it simple with the stories and the feuds. Everything else is fine. I don't mind wrestling. I love wrestling. I used to be a part of it. Still am a part of it in some way, shape, or form. Um, but if I really think on 2020, the worst thing was they didn't shorten Raw. and that They're like, it would hurt ratings. No. Three hours for a network full in USA is starting to give them the business, dude. Uh, if you notice, they're like, we want a non-family friendly show, I'm like, that's going to kill Vince to hell and back because he's one of the... I, I understand what I was mentioning earlier about Keith Lee. Like, uh, he said, I have a global audience. Are you sure about that, big man? Are you sure you have mm. a global audience? Because from what I've seen, it's the audience that disappears. But he doesn't care because... He, over the 40-year span that Vince McMahon has been in power in WWE, look at the names that helped build his business. Hogan, Andre the Giant, Jake the Snake Roberts, The Ultimate Warrior, Piper, Savage, Hogan, Flair, The Road Warriors, or The Legion of Doom. And then Hunter came up with this Titan idea called NXT. And it's not that Vince doesn't like NXT, but if you notice, if uh, one of them outshines the other talent like Ricochet or Aleister Black or um, Andrade Cien Almas, you will, if you notice, those talents got pushed to the fucking back. Yeah. Like, Aleister Black was amazing in NXT. Look what he did on Maine. He just became a one-eyed pirate who... I don't know why, but to me, like, if you're going to have guys like Aleister Black, Gargano, uh, Ciampa eventually, you know, they're going to have to integrate the rosters. That's something they should have done earlier, but they're like, we can't because of COVID-19. I get that. I get it. But you're going to have to, like, rotate the rosters. Everyone would if somebody has covid well, you should have on-site medical staff testing. That's another thing. They have limited talent, and they're doing the best they can. Sheamus uh, aligning himself with McIntyre. McIntyre being the WWE champion. Um, that's something in itself. Okay, AJ Styles being the last match for Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Like, to you me, another- WWE trying, but they're not they're not out of it completely. AEW, they're the biggest assholes on the face of this planet. Why? They're like, we have all the talent and we, you know, left WWE for something better. That's great. Can you guys please shut the fuck up and just wrestle instead of bitching out the company? Because I saw Jericho on a clip on not just Facebook, but on YouTube and multiple other sites say the following. He's like, you can say whatever you want to say, 
they keep fucking subtly mentioning, oh, well, I left New York, you know, Ty Dill or not Ty Dillinger, I want to keep calling him that, uh, oh. Sean Spears tonight, his little promo about I left New York and I, you know, I can come back to AEW whenever I want. So you're pulling what Ambrose slash Moxley pulled when he left WWE. You think fans don't notice? Again, quit bitching. Well, dude, it annoys me because AEW is full of talent. But are they using their ability to fucking promote it? No. No, um, no, no, and they have the nerve to have the rumor of signing Brock Lesnar. For what? Who the fuck Brock Lesnar is going to fight in AD, AEW that's going to draw? Who? You know, they had to pull Sting out of their ass because they're like, well, they're like, we didn't have to pull anyone out of our ass. I'm like, so what do you call having MJF in mid-emotion be like, I'm going to join the inner circle and let's make a big deal out of it. And it's not that Jericho and them are bad workers. That's not the point. It's like you have the audacity to keep saying, oh, we signed Molina. Oh, we're boosting up our women's division. What women's division where? Yeah, where? Funny kiss? But let's, let's be real. AEW does not have a solid women's division. They're like, we have Britt Baker. There's no doubt about it. She's very talented, and she's a very good worker. But if I look at AEW's roster, it's like, how the fuck are they paying these people? How? When there's like 90 gajillion people on their fucking roster right now. Because some of my friends, dude, from independent wrestling, like, okay, Xander Gold, uh, Fuego Del Sol, all of them are like involved on this roster and I told us like so what's it like, you know, is it is it, you know, very relaxed? Is it, you know, a different atmosphere than WWE was? Because some of them were extras, you know, on the show. And they're like, we're I'm like, dude, I'll break K Fabe. Let me tell you something. K Fabe does not exist. And people who use that term think they you know it's fine. You keep tradition. That's very old school. But what I'm saying is AEW is not a bad company. If they would just get past their fucking mental hurdles, they'd be fine. And well, that, they broke you know, ago when social media came out. Well, when they involved Shaquille O'Neal and his woman, I was like, really? We're getting Shaquille O'Neal involved? Okay. For no reason. For no reason. For no reason to get ratings, and then people are just saying, "Well, their ratings draw." It's not. It's not that they're not a ratings draw, folks. It's just they have over like fifty-five members on their roster, and they're like, "That's what AEW Dark is for." And uh, I'm just like, I don't get why they need to constantly say we're using everyone on our roster. We're we don't. Cody's exact statement when AEW was, like, launching was we don't want to be an over, overly saturated roster full of former talent. Here's 2020, and you've got Jericho, Cody, you got Jake Hager, you've got Rejects from NXT, Sammy Guevara, Santana, Ortiz, because they were supposed to be the next Usos, but they were not what the scouts were looking for at the time. Um, then, you know, you've got the... Uh, Tamatonga and Omega and Moxley and Pac and they're like, Omega's never been there. He's like, 2004, yes, he was. 
and Rusev. Miro. Rusev, and you've got Spears, and you've got half the fucking former creative uh, writing staff from SmackDown Live. And WWE Raw, Dean Malenko, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard. Like, these are also former agents for Vince. So, yes, some of it's going to be implemented into the show. Like tonight's fighting incident. They're like, incident. AEW reminds me of WCW and ECW combined. That's literally what I think of in a little bit of TNA. And some people disagree. They're like, well, WWE is so predictable. I'm like, okay. No, because how many people knew that Charlotte Flair was going to return to TLC and be Oscar's partner? And, and by the way, if I'm reviewing 2020, you know why Nia Jax was paired with Shayna? Here's the truth, folks. Nia Jax was paired with Shayna Baszler because creative saw it as creative? No. Nia Jax was paired with Shayna Baszler because Shayna Baszler helped fix what Nia still has not been able to fix since NXT. The fact that she's not safe with a lot of females. So why is she protected? Shayna Baszler's like her handler, dude. It's like having someone, you know, like supervising your kid to make their lunch or uh, having someone at work that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. You got to pick up their slack. That's what Shayna Baszler, she's a handler. And so a lot, of, a lot of people do not understand why Tina Baszler got moved up to main roster. It's because she's a locker room leader. And then, like, she doesn't get a lot of credit for what she does, but it's the honest to God fucking truth, man. There's a reason why they paid, uh, paired Shayna and Nia together because it's like, well, one set of uh, workers that fucking do their best when they're paired with one another, they're like, Nia and Shayna were unexpected. I'm like, no. And some fans are like, I wish they could have been tag team champions still. I'm like, I don't think you fucking understand. The reason why they took it off of them is because Shayna, I bet you, she gets along with Nia professionally, but outside the ring, no. I can fucking tell. I can tell you already. They're like, they get along behind the scenes. I'm like, yes. We get along behind the scenes, but that doesn't mean when the cameras go off that we will either beat each other's ass or laugh with each other. You don't know what we do. But in regards to 2020, the women's division has kind of been up in the air for WWE on main roster because you had Bailey who couldn't work her way out of a fucking paper bag, and they finally realized that, and we're like, Who's going to take the title off her? They couldn't do Oscar because Bailey would have probably objected to that really badly. And when asked, like, why can't we do improvised promos? I hate to pick on Bailey here, but she's one of those people that I don't mind people writing for me because she can't fucking improvise. Sasha can. Uh, Carmella can. Anybody else that picks up a microphone can improvise because they know. If it's a heel doing a promo, you build your opponent up and then you fucking tear him down just a slight bit, not too entirely. They tell you in wrestling school, when you do a promo, if you cannot talk, that's kind of the bread and butter of wrestling, you get a manager. And uh, speaking of tonight, Mr. Bivens, why are we talking to the commentating team? I don't think Vic Joseph was expecting the whole, do you agree that he's one of the best clients like Tyler Russ? 
uh, great talent, very good, very good worker, but fucking shit. Um, I don't, I, I just, mm, it's not clicking, just like Leon Ruff. It's not clicking. Like, he's not, if you're forcing a fan favorite, that's going to turn fans away. And he's one of those, like, I'm getting opportunity. Like, eventually the crowd's going to boo his ass. You know another thing, too, that bothers me? Nakamura. Like, the way, I don't, I know he can't talk, but that's the person you put a strong manager next to. And don't let him talk. It'd be great. It'd be great. Just just let Nakamura be charismatic, the king of strong style. He don't say shit. He just wrestles and he does his little shit he does. And he don't say nothing. And Heyman speaks for him, speaks for him. That's a better pairing. And people will hate me for this. Either that's guy a back could do that on his own. But Heyman with Nakamura it'll bring it to another level. Even New Japan will pay attention to that. The reason why I say that Heyman's such a great representation of wrestlers, I won't want to say he's, you know, a manager, because a lot of people mistake that for what, that's what Heyman is. I'm like, no. No, he's not on the body. <laughs> well... <laughs> There's been a lot of comparisons to Heenan. I, I more or less see Heyman as a guy that only can produce you a championship, but he can actually draw the crowd in to the point where it's like he knows his his uh, person's opponent. He knows like what they're gonna say or do before they even say it. The the other thing about Heyman that's so great is. He's taking Roman Reigns, and I know people are bitching about it should have been last year that this happened, which is true. But do you you guys honestly want to know the secret behind Vince? He – it's not so much him. That's the problem. It's the producers around him. That is the fucking problem. They're like, well, then you – I'm like, dude, look. You have – Brian James, you have fucking all the sports agents you can think of that are saying, hey, you know, this guy is great, you know, Mercury, and like all the guys from Ring of Honor are now forcing WWE as agents. And it's not that it's a must-have that you have an agent that knows what he's doing and talking about. It's part of the reason why 2020 is kind of askew. It's because, folks... What happens behind the scenes, which you guys don't see during rehearsals, is the fact that when they go through them, they're not thinking, gee, I wonder if the crowd's going to pop. Some some workers do. Some are old school, and they own their craft. Another thing that I noticed about um, when creative shit goes awry, it's not all Vince's fault, and some fans mistake it for that. And even, you know, Moxley said on his podcast, like, the one thing holding the the roster back is VKM. You know why he said, doesn't say his name? It's for lawsuit liability purposes because he's part of a bigger, you know, a big company in AEW. And if he says Vince's name, 
then you're liable to get your ass handed to you. And a lot of workers are like, Vince is a good guy. It's like, yeah, because he pays you. If he didn't pay you, you would be saying a lot of shit on podcasts like every other every other former wrestler is right now. The fact that they some of the creative things that go on that you guys are unaware of, I'll just say it. There's a lot of shit that fans claim to know they don't. I'll let them think it. The other thing is, like, some people are very condescending to fans and shows. Nia um, Jack is not mean. She was extremely nice to me. I like Nia. I think she's nice. I like her because I've, I've met her a couple times outside. Um, when she was coming in when I was leaving uh, NXT, so I I just want to point out, man, she's not a bad worker uh, in some regards, but she is a bad worker. In fact, she sometimes really needs to pay attention. She has, like most of us in wrestling, we have ADHD, which means we're not really, it's not that we're not paying attention to you. It's just sometimes... It's difficult to actually pay attention to your match, pay attention to your you know public, pay attention to your parent, you know, the person interviewing you. And I've paid attention to most of the women in the division. She's not the only problem. What would you do differently to help it out? Well, you have Becky who was pregnant. She just had her child. You had Ashley who just celebrated her fucking sorry, Charlotte that just celebrated her. That's what made for uh, real. Festivities. Uh, see, it kind of slips. Yes, that's her name. Oh, motherfuckers. Anyway, so you had a lot of women in the division this year in 2020 that proved themselves, like Bianca Belair. Um, you had. Unfortunately, they kind of buried Nikki Cross. Actually, they did. They really buried Nikki. And I, I don't quite understand why when, you know, she showed up in that one SmackDown Live episode with Becky Lynch, Becky was the one that told them, you need to start pushing Nikki Cross. They didn't fucking listen because Vince was like, well, we got Alexa Bliss. And I'm like, I know what's going to happen next. Instead of she's not going to outshine her, she's going to join her. So why do you think Zane, Nakamura, Cesaro were like really – if you look at their early wrestling career matches, you know, Claudio, Nakamura, um, Big E. Like if you look at the early matches before all their main roster bullshit, I believe the answer to the question why NXT gets buried on main is Vince. Vince literally pulled Keith Lee out of the truck and was like, "I, you, you're not impressing me." I'm like, "Dude is six foot five, three hundred sixty-four pounds, a solid brick, and he can do moves that most guys his size cannot do." Yet for some weird fucking reason, the old man is sitting there going, "Let's play tiddlywinks with the fucker and tell him that I have a global audience." Dude, are you that out of fucking touch with reality when your show hit a 1.5567? That's the lowest in ratings history. And we're going to sit here and pull the 
you need to improve, you need to adjust yourself to what I want you to do. I get it. I understand it. But I'm not a big fan of when someone pulls out someone that's extremely, extremely talented and tells them you need to take a step back and look at what you need to improve. Like, mm. It made me cringe when they didn't know what to do with the Bob villains, and they were an excellent tag team in WWE. Same thing goes for uh, the Revival. Yep, yep. You know what the I mean? Like, thing. you have all these... Well, because Ziggler's been there since, what, 03, 04? Actually, he's been there. <laughs> Let's see. Let me dig back in my archives. 2006. So you have a guy that's been there for nine years. And you want to pair him constantly in the tag team. You don't want him solo. Why? It's not that he can't outshine the boys. Well, he's already been world champion. Imagine if Ziggler and McIntyre feud against one another again. It'd be fucking gold. But they're like, we want to go a different direction. Like, so Sheamus is going to turn on them eventually because we know it's coming. We fuck. We as fans know that shit's coming. And as a former worker, I can tell you that's coming. They're just like, we don't know when we're going to lower the boom. Like, um, let me guess. It's either going to be at Rumble when this is going to happen, or, or best yet, it's going to be when you, we supposedly least expect it because, you know, Captain Obvious is the thing that plagues WWE. And, uh, like I said, 2020 hasn't been a bad year uh, for wrestling. It's just been a bad year because we as fans can't go to shows. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the wrestlers are saying they missed us. So I'm like, are, are you sure? Are you sure you missed the this is awesome chance at the least awesome moment or holy shit chance during the least awesome times? But I think, like I said, the biggest highlights were Edge returning. Edge and Orton's matches at WrestleMania and also uh, at Payback. Excellent, dude. I mean, Edge is a great fucking worker. Um, they need, and this is a point I brought up earlier on Instagram, they need to bring back Evolution. Big not the Not the wrestling group, but the female, all-female pay-per-view, because I, I think that that first pay-per-view set the standard, all-women's pay-per-view. That's something that AEW lacks is the women's division. AEW's not all bad. They also have their moments, too. Like when uh, Cody broke his toe off of doing a moonsault. Dustin got his arm shoved in the limousine and still came back. Uh, The fact that the inner circle kind of reminded me of, like, an older version of Undisputed Era slash NWO slash Aces and Eights. I love Chris Jericho. I like. I think Cody Rhodes is a great talent. But to sum up 2020, guys, like, can you guys just keep it simple, stupid? We love you for giving us pro wrestling. I'm going to wrap up tonight's show. Um, thank you for uh, joining my show, dude. You can join anytime you fucking want. You're more than welcome to. So, I appreciate uh, it, man. Oh, no problem, dude. You can, like, like I said, my show, I have this on the platform, too. It says... We discuss anything and everything pro wrestling or sports. And when I say sports, some people mistake it because I've had 
I've had one call into one of my shows and talk about gun control, so I had to basically mute him. The rest of the show's like, sorry, either I call about some rap show or I call into your show. I was like, the fuck do you think I want you on my show for? Right, right. Because he started talking about gun control on a pro wrestling podcast, and I'm not to dig into the further past of my shows, but you know I've had guys like Brian Pillman, Danny Cage, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. I should say. I've had Travis Whip Gordon on here, uh, Big Bang Ronnie Nicole, who's like some of these. A lot of these people are independent workers, but they're very well known. So. They're like, did you enjoy all the people you interviewed? I said, oh, yeah, dude. Uh, the one person that I will say I did not, I think it was kind of like a miscommunication, was uh, Danny Moe. Um, I think, I don't know, I'm not sure if she's still in Ring of Honor, but um, she, uh, you know, we messaged each other before the show, and I don't know, it was kind of like my first go-around doing a show by myself. And I think part of the problem was one of us was trying to talk over the other, which really, and I'm going to tell you from my wrestling days, the one thing that Enzo and I almost got into a fist fight over was we were paired together in promo class. Imagine that. I wish I would have seen that. I wish I would have seen There's footage somewhere of that. He's like, I want you to take uh, your gimmicks and I want you to do role reversals. I want you to imitate the other person's gimmick. And I'm like, Honor? I was like, we're literally the same gimmick. He's like, are you deaf? He goes, roll reversal. And he clapped his hands, and Enzo tried to imitate me. And I was like, you know, imitation is the cheapest form of flattery. How's it going? I went to church, but even though I pray for a poor bastard like you, I still don't come out the same. How's it going? He's like, it's how you doing, bro. I was like, no, no, no. I'm adding my own twist to this fucking shit. I said, now, you have, like, you got this guy right here. He's seven feet tall, and you can't teach him. Bada boom. Realist and only realist doing it in the room. How's it going? And he's like, man, you're fucking up the fucking gimmick. That's not what I fucking say. And I was like, okay. And then it got the uh, ire and attention of some of the higher-ups. And uh, when I say higher-ups, I mean the coaches. And it didn't get good attention. It got the attention of, do we need to separate you two, or is this going to be a volatile situation? We end up finishing, miraculously finishing with gritted teeth. Okay. Enzo will probably tell a completely different story because that's what he's known for. And I say this because in this fucking story, not all of NXT's memories were bad. I think the thing that I missed the most was traveling like the small towns when NXT was hot. It was just like white hot. And if you even were on the internal roster, people knew who you were. Um, the former security liaison of mine can tell you stories like waking me up at three in the morning to get to the next town with one pant leg on and boxers hopping to the fucking car, falling asleep, getting up, 
getting gimmick on and then going out, killing it, and going to the next town. Oh, shit. And I think, I think the biggest thing was seeing, like, you're on the marquee and performing in front of towns like Tulsa or Saginaw or going to di- different towns, man. It was a lot of fun. But uh, I'm going to, you know, just point this out. Like, for people wanting to try out for wrestling, go to wrestling school, please. Do not pull an Enzo. Go, you know, just fucking go to Monster Factory in Paulsboro, New Jersey. Or go to a credible wrestling school that's going to, like, Rudy Gonzalez. Trained Daniel Bryan. He trained a lot of fuckers that are successful in this business, by the way. I mean, he... You got to understand something. What about the if they don't know who the fuck you are... Huh? What about the reality of wrestling? Reality of wrestling? Booker T School. Booker T School in Houston. Uh, yes. Booker T School. Very good school. Um, any, any na- if you have, the truth of the matter is it's like a job. If you get a good reference and you have a look to you and and people notice you and you have a you know you look like you work out at the gym instead of being a slob like that's the problem. that's the problem with some of the independents man is some of those guys they look like they just curl maybe one or two times or that they look like they uh they haven't worked out a day in their life like i I exercise to maintain, but like Lance Storm said, we look good for reasons. It's our job, man. It's, yeah. You're supposed to – you really honestly think like, okay, for example, if Travo Guerrero didn't work out at the gym or do lap pulls or whatever the fuck they do at the gym or bench presses or lap curls or push-ups or – um, Deep press rows or planks. You think that they wouldn't look as good as they do moving? Like, look, I told Chavo, I said, man, I said you still look the same from like 1999. He said, you're just kissing ass, ain't you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, because to look that fucking good, and after like 21 years of fucking working, I mean, Chavo's been working since he was 17, so you gotta understand. Some of these guys that when they get in the ring, they're working their asses off in the gym so that when they see us in the ring, it's like, what's good? They're like, what about you? I said, I'm a manager. I'm on the fucking fatty ass diet, you know, Arby's, mozzarella sticks. Uh, I I still have to condition because, believe it or not, folks, managers and referees have to take the bumps too. Mm. Referees' bumps are a little bit different than workers' bumps, but they still have to learn the basic back bumps, front flip bumps. Is that John Cone? Just take the dive outside of the ring is not the only bump he knows. Like, I give you a hint. If there's a distraction spot in the ring and the referee is laying on the ground in the ring, you know what happens when a bump occurs? The referee's supposed to either, oh, you know, now I'm awake. I got to make it look dramatic when I get to point one, two, and then kick out. Oh. Damn. 
There's just a lot of fucking secrets that I said I could sit here and talk all night, but I do have to get up, catch a bus, and hop on a train to get to work tomorrow. But uh, I want to definitely say thank you for calling in to my show, man. My show's kind of been lifeless the last few weeks, me just talking to my damn self. If you want to guest co-host with me, I'd be more than happy to accommodate you. Most definitely, man. I get with you, man, on that. I'm definitely going to go through your archives and check out your work, man. I, I like what I hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, okay, so just to fair warn you, I actually, I do, uh, the reason why I do have a temper on one of the episodes, here's the backstory. Okay, so I was in school, in wrestling school in Kansas City, uh, um, Extreme Wrestling Center was the name of it, and um, this group of guys, we basically told the truth about how bad the stuff was and how the presentation of the school wasn't so great, and so I went off on the entire roster that I was working with because I felt like, you know, you guys want to say that you're a great wrestling indie group, but mommy and daddy... Uh, brother, sister are the only ones showing up to the show. So how the fuck can you classify yourselves as a good show? Well, I also, this ties into the next one. So long story short, I interviewed Danny Cage, who's the owner, the trainer, and the head coach at Factory. And uh, I interviewed Danny, and I told him that this dude who bailed on booking but also snitched me out for some weird fucking reason. I don't. For, I forget what the snitched out was for, but uh, oh yeah, now I remember. We called him out. My co- my former coast, and I called him out on his shit, and he didn't appreciate it. So he threatened to uh, slash our tires and beat our asses. And I'm like, I'm not a worker anymore. So you're gonna beat a fan's ass. And Danny's like, I will have a chat with him. I will have a chat with him, and we will go from there. Well, on the rest of the show, I go on this long rant, and I say stuff like, "You may be six foot one, and I'm five foot nine, but I will give you everything I've got, and I will beat your ass into oblivion." I said, "I'm a small." Dude, when you look at me, I may not look like I pack a punch, but fucking shit, yes I do. And I pretty much worded it differently, but I I have segments on my show called Off the Rails Uncensored, which is a trademark podcast, twenty you know March twenty fourth, two thousand sixteen. Long story short, I keep saying that and I keep going around in fucking circles, but twenty twenty in review. Awesome moments, uh, not so awesome moments for WWE and AEW. You guys did an amazing tailored job at confusing the fuck out of us at times, giving us stories. Thank you, you both. Um, again, keep it simple, stupid. We'll watch you because we don't have anything better to do than play PlayStation 5. So, well, I don't have one. I wish I had one, but. Anyway. I don't have one either. See, maybe with a stimulus check we can get it, because why not? Stimulus check, we can definitely get it with the 2000. <laughs> maybe it's if you can convince us to do the same thing, moving our check. 
Yes. I think we should definitely have you on again. Most definitely, man. Uh, in the, I drive trucks, so I stay busy. But, man, when I got leisure, man, I, I check out Blog Talk and I check out shows because I used to have my own show. So um, I, I'm a big radio buff. That's in my heart. So, man, you know, I'm definitely going to stay in tune. And, uh, oh, I also forgot. I also have interviewed Minnie Bailey and Minnie Sasha. Holy fuck, I forgotten about those two interviews. Those are some big names that I've interviewed. I actually got to meet Izzy um, in my hometown um, at Barclays. Many Sasha gave me a hug. <laughs> and then you say you um, interviewed Brian Pillman Jr., right? Yes, I did. I can actually, if you want, I, I can send you. Huh? I'm a big fan of his work, man. Him and his father. I can actually send you the link through text message, dude, if you if you want. Most definitely, man. Do that. But I can I just screenshot it number. He's in my archives. I can actually send you the copy link or you can I think you can do that if I send it through Facebook. You can text or email him, man. It don't matter. Okay, cool. I'll send you the Danny Cage and let's see here. Danny Cage Pillman, Travis Lick Gordon. Oh, and I also have Buku Dow. Man, I'm listening to all of them. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, I go off on people who are like, wow, he really tells it like it is. I'm like, yeah, dude. It's not that I brag about being a former worker. It's that you got to – certain fans really need to hear the fucking truth. It's not one person's fault that the company's flailing. It's multiple people. It has to be, like, not just Vince – and like he's not failing. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's called WWE Shop. If it wasn't for the fact that they had a merchandise section in their company, they'd be flailing. Mm. And not just that, the content of the show hasn't fucking changed regardless. So again, oh, I didn't say too much, touch too much on Goldberg, but Goldberg is supposedly coming back to win the Rumble to face Roman. We don't know if that's true or not. We'll just watch and see. Come on. I know, dude. They, I mean, Roman. <sighs> yeah, Roman didn't tell you. It's a discussion. It's been a discussion for the last three months. They like, have Goldberg come in, and then, like, so Goldberg's going to. It's a vicious cycle because if Goldberg loses to Lesnar for the championships again. I know that fans are going to say, we're going to exit. We're not going to do anything. It's like, you guys will still be watching the shit. They're going to be doing shit. The best thing they can do is get The Rock, if they can, get The Rock and get Roman to beat The Rock to get so much fucking heat and just run with it. I'm talking about retire The Rock. I'm talking about on that type of shit. Retire The Rock. It depends, you know, what they're going to do. It's all up to the creative team to do it. But also, oh, one more thing say say, point. Before you the show, one more thing I wanted to say. What do you think about a Triple H versus Shane McMahon match at WrestleMania? Mm, yeah, okay, so it would have to 
there'd have to be some builds before that. And if you don't have any builds with Shane and Hunter, uh, I don't think I want to see that part two of the part one where he got suplexed into a scaffolding. Uh, that made me nervous because Shane's had a lot of neck surgeries. Uh, overall, well, overall, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I just think it'd be, it'd be interesting to say the least. And, uh, to, to finish the night, folks, 2020 has been, uh, up and down year for us as a country, um, as a whole, you know, as wrestling fans, as, as former workers, um, it's been difficult trying to keep up with stories and also giving you guys an awesome show. So I'm going to, I think I did screenshot your number or yeah, I screenshotted it again. So I didn't get your name, sir. What was your name? My apologies. Oh man, it's uh, D Morris, man. D Morris. Yes, sir. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, D I'm going to, Send you the links to my shows and take a listen whenever you want to. My name is Brian Rails, and if you didn't like what I had to say tonight, I cannot promise you that your children will not offend you if they repeat what the fuck I say. I feel sorry for them. Also, it's Christmas, so that you can you can give them a lump of coal. Absolutely. If they repeated after what I just said on my show, so you can join me and the. Whenever, because I do my shows Mondays and Wednesdays, folks, around 9 o'clock, because I'm an old fuck and I got to go to bed and I got to wake up in the morning, hop on a bus and get on a train and do the best of my business, my business. All right, if you didn't like what good old Brian Rails had to say, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. Toodles, bitches. I got to go to bed. Thank you, dude, for being on my show. I appreciate it. You're more than welcome to appear whenever you want. All right, man. Appreciate it, y'all. Peace. All right, peace. Toodles, bitches. Good night. Personality, the closest personality.